The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Dave Schultz, your host for this particular program. My guest for today is someone that I've known for a long, long, long time, but we won't talk about the years, but just simply uh, the wonderful times that we've had over the years. And my guest is Mary Mountford. Mary is a singer, a soloist, a choir director, um, a musician of all kinds. And again, I say, welcome, Mary. Welcome, Mary. Thank Thank you very much, Dave. Mary, tell us about who Mary is, more so than what I know and the audience needs to know. Well, I grew up in Kansas. My dad was a farmer. And we attended a very small Lutheran church in, in town, Did went to public school until I was in college. And then I went to um, junior college at Winfield, Kansas, and uh, senior college, Concordia, in Seward, Nebraska. Met My first call was to Houston, to St. Mark. We served Houston for 30, uh, served St. Mark for 30 years which is a long time, and um, then uh, received a call to Trinity downtown, and I served there as Minister of Music for eight years, and um, we loved ministry. That's that's the, the key to a successful ministry, loving ministry and loving the people, building relationships, and I still talk to many of my students and parents of, of students um, all the time. Every day I talk to somebody that I've taught or had a relationship with their child. Isn't that interesting? You can go back and all of a sudden somebody appears and you don't recognize them and say, well, Mary, you probably don't remember this, but... And they explain the story, and then it comes back to you again. Absolutely. Yesterday at church, one of the ushers talked about um, I being his select choir teacher uh, when we had uh, mass choir festivals in the Lutheran system, and um, I had the select choir, and he said, I sang unto you. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> goes way back. Well, Mary, we're going to talk today not only about just Christian music, but Coming short around the corner is the festival of Christmas. And um, I just have to say that probably for you and me in ministry all those years, Christmas was always so special. So I want to ask you something. When did singing in the church really take a foothold? I know we can go back to the time of the Old Testament Psalms, but Following the time of Luther, when did it take hold that people said, this is part of the worship? Well, I think it even goes further back than Luther. I think we need to talk about how music um, was put into the hearts of young people by folk songs. Parents sang to their children um, 
also little Christian tunes, but mostly little songs like uh, Ring Around the Rosie or London Bridge is Falling Down, where you could play with your child. And that instilled that sound of, of, um, of fluency of words. And then into the church itself, I believe, you know, once we had a written hymnal, the first hymnals did not have musical notes with them, and then ending up with the little notes. Um, but now we have the four-part music and all that in hymnals very available to us. And it's a, a wonderful gift because without uh, music and the word, to me, it's it's nothing. Yet I, I love the fact that um, the story is told through music. And, and we've found many, many times when people, uh, for instance, have Alzheimer's or dementia, the, the songs that they've learned, they still remember. They don't remember what they ate two minutes ago, but they can, they can remember songs they learned when they were children. And that's a beautiful thing that our mind holds on to. And that's something that you and I will hold on to too, as, as you bet. for us come Mary. And I, and I and I say that I'm thankful for those times because they have given us the opportunity to to reflect upon the goodness of the music uh, that was taught to us and that we sang even as little children. How has music changed in your lifetime, Mary? Well, I believe <laughs> I've seen quite a change over the last twenty years or so. Um, it used to be everybody took piano lessons, even in my small town, it was a dollar for a 30 minute lesson, $1. And, but everybody took lessons, music lessons. Now, did everybody pursue playing the piano or singing or an instrument? Absolutely not. But everybody was given that opportunity. And nowadays you hear very, very few people who are, have their children in piano or music lessons. And um, when we were at St. Mark, I started the Conservatory of Music, which was a, a um, uh, opportunity for parents to enroll their children in private lessons. And we actually um, vetted all of the teachers and I did all the scheduling and all of that. And um, it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for children to flourish and be able to uh, learn a certain skill. Now, is that possible today? Sure. But I don't hear of it very much. And therefore, we're finding shorter um, list of people who can play the organ, of people who can be a piano player. And um, it's going more the direction of, of guitars and drums and keyboards. And, and that's okay, too. It's, it's music. It's just a different, different style and something that, you know, other people really uh, delve into. When you were a child, it was such a joy uh, to uh, to sing together with other children at the Christmas festivals or at the pre-Christmas festivals because all the hymns and all the songs, whether you sung them in church or in Sunday school or in school, even in a regular grade school, they were all the same. That's all changed now, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, and and um, I know that I I uh, lead a small group at our church, and they're all older than I am, um, but they still want those old hymns. They want they want to sing the old Christmas carols, and you don't hear them very much anymore. When I listen to the radio, I hear 
uh, Santa Baby. I hear a lot of those songs. And um, the, the traditional that we have heard for hundreds and hundreds of years are kind of taking the backstage. And um, that's a little little sad and concerning to me. Um, I'm not sure where that's all going to go. I still sing those hymns. I, uh, in fact, I love one of the most favorite things I love at Christmas time is to go Christmas caroling door to door. I even had when I had children's choirs, I'd have them out to my house and we'd go in the neighborhood and sing Christmas carols in people's front yards. And I just love that wonderful way of witnessing um, to people that the children didn't know. Many times I didn't know the, the neighbors that well, but it was a wonderful way to witness and, and doing something they love. As I recall, memorizing for many, many years those first Christmas hymns, uh, they all had substance to them. You yes. know, you could not not hear the message of the gospel of Jesus because it was entwined in those musical uh, phrases in the whole musical songs. Mary, is that still present today in, in the music around Christmas? I would imagine it is. I again, my true love are the the old fashioned hymns. But um, sure, I'm sure many of the the songs and carols that are around probably still have that. Um, I think it's important to teach children, if nothing else, just a little refrain. For instance, um, you know, um, uh, the last uh, repetitive kind of phrase of a of a carol. Um, that they can join in on because it's the same every time, you know, or like heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing. Just teach them that much so they can sing along. There was always a, a station in the Houston area that always pray, played old Christian, uh, old Christmas music, and you could have that on for a week. And, and all you would hear, not even advertisements, all you would hear would be Christ-centered music and um, I pray that that will continue or that it is continuing because I've not heard it. But Mary, let's go to a subject of, of the children and, and the training of children. What advice would you give uh, to the people desiring to use or to have their children use their voices for singing uh, or for choral work? What advice would you give? I would start by telling young parents in utero to sing to their child. Believe it or not, those children can hear and will actually recognize songs and voices once they are born. That's the very down-to-earth down, uh, kind of advice I would start with. And then just expose them to singing, your singing, lullabies, rock them, sing them, and include many of the Christian Jesus loves me, those kind of songs. I am Jesus little lamb. And I know they're, they're the traditional ones because those are the ones I know, but very important to sing and play with the children with singing, um, do actions with them and also make it fun. I think that's, that's one of the things that I had success with. I made, I made singing fun. I didn't just try to cram a song down a child's voice um, but I tried to make it um, an enjoyable experience that they would love doing. And then carrying on to adults, um, I would we would make rehearsals fun. Matt always said, 
you know, these people are coming from a day's hard work and they're volunteering their time to sing in a church choir for an hour or two every night, uh, uh, one night a week to rehearse. We've got to make it fun. So we would find stories or, or something that happened to us that was comical. And of course, in, in the teaching day, there was always something that was hilarious that a kid said or did and, and not to make fun of the kids, but just, just it's a cute little antic. And, and the adults loved hearing that. And um, it blessed them. And I think those are the kind of things that keep people coming back and enjoying the serving. And I, we always stress that, that it was not a performance. I started telling kids that from the very get-go when I had four-year-olds sing in church, that this is not to show off. This is serving. You're adding a special uh, element to worship and that it was, that it was something that God, it was very God-pleasing. Mary, what what does singing in a choral group or singing in church do for the singer? Oh, wow. Well, it's the one thing that we do that connects both sides of our brain, the emotional side and the the critical critical thinking side. Um, because we're singing words that that are connected with each other and which is why people in dementia remember those songs and nothing else. And um, so it's very, very important, but I, I really believe it's also the camaraderie of singing together with, it, it's like the teamwork. Um, and I, I always stress to my, my, especially the young boys, when I had a boy choir, I would tell them um, that when you get old, your body's going to fall apart. Now you love sports and, and you can do all kinds of sports. You can do soccer, you can do basketball. But add music to it, and then when your body can no longer do those sports, you can still sing. Exactly. And honestly, I signed up to Facebook, um, oh, just several months ago, not very long. And the very first message I got was from one of the boys um, who was now probably 30, 40 years old, who lives in Colorado. And he said, I am so pleased that you finally signed up to Facebook. I have been looking how to figure out how to talk to you and thank you for taking a middle-aged boy and showing them how wonderful music can be in their lives in the, in their middle ages. He said, I'm now running the tech team of our local uh, drama group. And he said, now I'm also performing in the group and singing. And I thought, oh, well, that's all I needed for a long time to just just know that it was the right thing and and that it was God pleasing. Well, I'm wondering uh, when I keep thinking about the past and talking to you, uh, what does it look like for us to um, translate the life of the past and make it? As musical it was as it was in the past today. What what needs to be done, Mary? Well, I think we have to just constantly work at one at a time, taking the children we know and love, children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, and singing and playing with them, and making it known that it's a good thing to do. Our world has been taken over by um, electronics, by sports. And it's it, to be a musician, it's a lot of work, and a lot of it's time by yourself, sitting in a room, practicing piano or singing a song or whatever. And and it's not it's not that 
lovely to think about that, but we have to let them know that it's the joy of music. I just, I had always signed every note that I sent home to kids, keep a song in your heart. And I think that's truly what it's all about. Um, I find myself all through the day humming a song or singing a song in my head. Uh, many times at night, if I can't go to sleep, if I start singing a song, that just is, it's a calmness about you that, that helps your brain to stop flittering all over the place and it focuses it focuses on the words and the music and it helps you to go to sleep it's a it, it's a wonderful memory for me to go back to grade school when i went to christian day grade school almost all those years that mm -hmm. every friday we had hymn memorization day and we would take the the, the new hymnal at that particular time um, was the ancient hymnal that is no longer used, I guess, in the church today. But um, we memorized hymns, and and even today, like you, all I have to do is hear a statement, and I can sing that whole hymn in my head. I it's 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 something that we truly have missed and are missing. And uh, as we look, Mary, to the future. Um, and we, we can never predict what, what's around the corner. Where is going to be the emphasis on music for the future? Or what would you like to see would be the emphasis? Well, I think just more singing, just continuing to find places where we can sing. And going back a little bit to what you just said, I one of my former boys is now a pastor in Michigan, and he told me that the last time I saw him, that um, when he is around people, he'll he can sing any hymn. They'll say a, a hymn number, and he can sing it. And they said, <laughs> "How do you know all of those hymns?" He said, "Mrs. Mountford." Well, I would warm a choir up by singing a hymn. We'd have a hymn of the month. I, I think right. churches are missing something when they don't take some of the new hymns and sing them every Sunday for a while because that repetition will get in there and, and honestly will help the parishioners learn a song. Um, and other than that, I don't know the answer to that, Dave. I wish I knew because to me, music is everything. And I... Um, I love going to a worship service with the organ playing. And, and to me, that singing is just as important as the word. It's right up there with it. But when you're saying memorizing, you know, a lot of the scripture is in the hymns. And so when you hear an idea or a thought and you can spout out a hymn, you're, you're speaking the, the um, biblical uh, message in it, too. I see around the corner that um, the the music that that I remember uh, because of memorization will disappear uh, from from sight, and there was such clarity about the gospel and so much of that music. And uh, I just thankful now as I am an old person when I think back about those days, how we used to grumble, oh, do we have to memorize that whole hymn? <laughs> right. Yes, you do. Uh, you in the sixth grade are memorizing verses one, two, three, four, five, and six, and seven. Right. <laughs> and those things never go away, and I'm no. thankful for that. Uh, Absolutely. Mary, it seems to me that the choirs, the beautiful choirs of the past are kind of, dissipating what is going on in the world of of choir singing that 
that that is so sad? Well, I think there are a couple of things. Number one is people are so busy with their own lives and they've filled it with so much stuff. And I I um I truly mean stuff. It's not not um anything with a big core. Um and I also believe that to prepare music for hours and hours and hours and then see nobody there to come listen to the music is a big deal also. Right. People aren't going to concerts. They're so busy, wrapped up in other things. And if it were family and all the electronic devices were off, I would say good for them. But unfortunately, I would say it's not usually that. It's usually filled with electronics, either the television, a ball game, um, or a computer, or some kind of device filling the time. And and that's, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I also think it's a lot of work. And a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into a concert. Um, it's not just the conductor, but it's the the people in it too. And it's the the people that, in my case, bring, the parents bringing the children and, and the sacrifice they make sitting outside waiting for their child to be done with choir. I mean, I, I appreciate all of that. I understand that it takes a village to make a, a chorister and, and, and then show up like on a Sunday morning when we were singing for services. Um, you know, you can, you can rehearse 30 kids, and if two of them show up, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mary, the, the love of music will probably never go away in your life. And uh, I guess we, we can say thanks to the Lord that people were so uh, impressive upon us to to learn music and to sing music and be willing to, to even do solos. Um, I remember so long ago at a convention that you and your husband were directing the Lutheran Chorale at a convention, and it was so clear of the message of the gospel in those presence. But a lot of that is fading away, and and uh, it just it, it simply is uh, a sadness that we cannot replace um, of, of the past. Mary, as you see uh, your great-grandchildren, your grandchildren, and ultimately your great-grandchildren uh, succeeding in the musical world, what are you going to say to them if you notice that, that one is a musical talent or the other is a musical talent? You know... Dave, it's actually getting to know the children. Some of them have an innate musical ability, and they they truly, you want to put them in lessons. You want to spend your money on that. And some of them, they could care less. But I always believe every child should have the gift of singing. They That's an instrument they have. They carry around all the time because it's your voice. And therefore, um, I would always sing to them and always encourage them to sing along in church. I've always felt that with my own grandchildren too. Neither one of them are professional musicians, but both of them are registered nurses and they both sing in church. And I think that's very important to get the full worship of our God. Mary, this time has elapsed to 24 minutes and I have to say we could go on for a long time. Thank you so much for being willing to be on the air and talk about the joys of music. Mary, a blessed Advent and Christmas to you and your family in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Mary, and good night. 
Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.